0: Welcome to Off the Beaten Path, but not lost with the Fayolas,
1: Where we invite your family to join our family as we talk about the RV lifestyle. I'm Kristen, mom of two little kiddos, Kylie and Lexi.
2: I'm Kylie, I'm eight years old, and I love horses. I'm Lexi, and I'm five, and I like chips and salsa.
0: And I'm Tony, I'm the dad around here, the pilot. And the RV Tech.
2: We're We're the the Faolas!
1: In today's episode, we're going to discuss boondocking. What's boondocking, you ask? Boondocking is camping that is self-contained, meaning you don't have power, sewer, or water. And if you're like me... Hookups. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you do have all those things, but you don't, you're not hooked up to anything.
1: Exactly. <laughs> if you're like me, you're freaking out a tad right now, but it's really not that scary. You may have also heard it called dispersed camping, wild camping, primitive...
0: Dry camping.
1: But it all means the same thing. Not connecting to commercial power, sewer, or water.
0: But first... Follow us on your favorite podcasting app to make sure you get notifications. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, or our website, thefaolas.com. The show notes for this episode can be found at thefaolas.com slash six.
1: We have spent 85 nights boondocking.
0: That's 85 free nights.
1: Yeah, since we started our adventures in January of 2019. And mind you, a year of that was in private campgrounds, like in a couple locations in Texas. So really... A lot of that was just in a, a year.
0: Yeah, 2020 and then the first half of 2021.
1: And 44 of those nights have been just in the last three months since we got solar.
0: Yeah, solar was a game changer for boondocking.
1: Before we didn't boondock for a few different reasons. One of them, obviously, solar. It was kind of a pain to run the generator to charge up our batteries.
0: We had a good battery bank. It's just... Without the solar to charge it during the day, we would have to run the generator in the morning when we woke up to top off the batteries. And then throughout the day, we'd use power. And then at night, we'd have to run it. So on average, I'd say when we were boondocking before solar, we were running the generator about six hours a day.
1: The other two reasons why we didn't before was lack of water. Um, We actually put in, um, what is that thing called, that filtration? The
0: reverse osmosis system. It has a series of filters, and it has a a little holding tank, and it recycles the water that goes through. So there's a lot of what you could call wastewater, which it's actually not. It's still drinkable. Um, And the way I had the drain line set up, it just went right out the bottom of the RV. So it would just form a puddle. Well, what I didn't know was how much water that thing went through when it was cycling.
1: Since then, he has a fix where he runs a tube to our freshwater tank. He's going to actually put this in it, like, underneath. But right now, he's just running a tube and just kind of dropping it in the intake.
0: a little quick fix, but that has changed it totally. Like, we went from, when we would boondock before that, we would go three to four days max before we actually ran out of freshwater. Um, And we have a 100-gallon freshwater tank. So that's a lot of water that it was using Now we can go a a minimum of six days. We've never even ran out of fresh water since Mm -hmm. I've fixed it.
1: So that was a huge fix. And then the final one was dumping. So dumping your black tank is a problem for us. It's always going to be a problem for us. And that's kind of what holds us back right now. Unless we decide to do one of those, you know, nature's toilets or whatever they are. The
0: composting (laughs) toilet.
1: One of the times we were boondocking and this was in Utah, we were staying at a, at a spot and it was like four days in and our tanks were full and we're like, oh my gosh, we can only, this was like one of the first times we boondocked for that long, I think.
0: That was in Moab.
1: And we freaked out. And then after that, we started dumping every four days. (laughs) So if we stayed somewhere for like a week, we would dump every four days because we did not want it to like be full. Again. And I'm not
0: even sure how that happened because before that and after that, we've we've gone six days. Yeah. No problem. So, like, so.
1: so we think that there was maybe a problem with the time that you dumped before that. Yeah. So like maybe you didn't dump fully or whatever, but it just scared us until we decided to test it one time. And then we're like, oh, we can actually go six days easy. It starts getting full after six days. <laughs> I think six days is the longest we've been. So after we tested that for the six days, figured out we could go at least six days, we've been doing that for now on, and we've been just fine. So those three things were our major issues with boondocking before. Um, after we got the solar, we were like, we got to test this again, because we might have to get the composting toilet if, <laughs> if we can't go at least a week in boondocking.
0: One of my favorite things about boondocking is we usually have some pretty epic views, and there's not that many people. Some campgrounds we've been to and RV parks and resorts, they really cram you in.
1: Except for when we were, you know, in a parking lot. Then obviously it gets a little bit tighter, but those are not, those are normally one nights and they're normally not as frequent. Um, When you're camping in a BLM land or, you know, out there, you don't even, yeah, state forest, you don't even go near people. Um, And a lot of the places we've went to were the only ones there, which was really nice.
0: Yeah, and when, if you're there long enough, usually, like we stayed a couple 14-night stays, you see people come and go. So you get to people watch a little bit. You get to I, I always have a little interest in seeing people's rigs and how they're set up.
1: And you get to meet friends. The girls met some friends at the um, Grand Canyon spot.
0: Yeah, a couple different
1: Yeah, a couple times. different spots, but that was just a recent one.
0: Well, at the Grand Canyon spot, there was two different groups of kids.
2: I like that we have more room to play and we can let the dogs off leashes sometimes.
1: Like that one place you we camped where you had the fort? Yes,
2: that was yeah. my favorite boot knocking spot.
1: Yeah, there's like a fort out in the middle of the woods that they were able to, you know, what is that called when you take over something? Claim. That's a good enough word. Not the yeah. word I was thinking of, <laughs> but that, that <laughs> word will <laughs> work. They were able to claim for the week that we were there.
0: All you have to do is say claimed, and it's yours.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they took out some blankets and chairs and had some little events out there. We even watched a show out there. And then the other part of that was letting the dogs off their leashes. That's really nice. Before we lived in an RV, our oldest dog, Dexter, never was on a leash at our house pretty much. So he was not even used to it. He, at first, he couldn't even go to the bathroom on the leash. He had to get used to that.
0: Yeah, he didn't know what to do.
1: Yeah, he's like, why are you following me around? <laughs>
2: like, let me go potty in peace. I mean, in peace.
1: <laughs> that is always fun to let the dogs off and let them run around. Most and of can, the time. And, and you can do that most of the time. Sometimes there are still people a little close to us where we can't do that.
0: Or they have dogs and stuff.
1: Yeah. Or there's a cliff.
0: Or there's pronghorns.
1: Uh, so many reasons.
2: I like boondocking because there's more wide open space to explore.
1: I like that. Like, are you talking about when when you and your sister did that one thing with the bags? Yeah, and we like
2: had to find like green stuff, pink stuff, purple stuff. And we had to take a picture of it and bring it back to mom and dad. We it. were at the desert. And I found a cactus and then I picked a spike off of it. Needle. A needle off of it.
1: What Lex is talking about is the girls put on their hiking backpacks and went off into the surrounding area and searched for different things. So Tony and I listed Mm -hmm. off like 15 things for them to find. And they went and found those things. And they either took pictures of them, they drew them in a journal. Lexi got to bring back one of the little needles from a cactus. That's cool.
0: How'd you get that off of there, Lex?
2: I used my multi-tool. We saw two f- flowers that are, were on cactuses, but one was closed and one was open. Yeah, they were pretty. Yeah, they were yeah. very pretty. One, I think both of them were pink. Yeah. They were pretty. Or, or pink and purple. I don't know.
1: I'll share some of those pictures that they took in the post, because I think that's really cute. The benefits that I see from boondocking is, number one, we're in some really cool locations. Um, This kind of piggybacks off of Tony's good views, but the locations are really cool. Like, we were within 10, 15 minutes of Zion. Um, We were close to Bryce, We were right outside of the Grand Canyon. I mean, we had some really cool locations. And yeah, you can get those with campgrounds, but you're packed in, you're paying a lot more, and there's so many more rules. The other thing I like about boondocking is it's free. $85, 85 nights times 35-ish. is a lot of money that we saved.
0: Nothing beats free 99.
1: (laughs) Correct. With all those benefits though, there are some cons. Yes. My biggest con is I'm still scared of those tanks getting filled up.
0: If it fills up in the middle of a day, you're working. Sometimes it takes 20 minutes to get somewhere to dump. So it's, it's more of an, just an inconvenience than it is anything else. I'd say the biggest con for me, especially lately, for boondocking, it's just hotter. I don't like running the generator all the time. We can run the generator and run the air, but I don't really like it. We can run the air off of the batteries for a short amount of time, several hours, but with solar, it's not that big of a deal. It's just one of those things. When it's if if we need air, I think we should be at an RV park.
1: Yeah. For example, right now we're in Idaho and they're having a heat wave of a hundred plus every single day. We were supposed to be boondocking, but we changed to a campground, which we got lucky because it is 4th of July week, so I'm very surprised we were able to find a spot, Um, but we did. Uh, But we want to run the air all day. I mean, we should be running the air right now, but we're podcasting. (laughs) So after this, we're going to turn the air back on. (laughs) That's how
0: you get such impeccable audio from our podcast, because we don't have any fans or air conditioning on.
1: And we sit here in a pile of sweat for you.
0: Kylie, what don't you like about boondocking?
2: That there are no pools. (laughs) (laughs) I love going swimming. There is a river right outside
1: here. I know,
2: but I just don't want to swim in the
1: seaweed. So feeding off that, because you don't always swim at campgrounds. There's not always a pool at every campground. You mean, like, things to do outside of nature.
2: Yeah, there's sometimes playgrounds and slides and pools especially have a pool.
1: I love playing
0: grounds. There's a basketball court here. We played basketball
1: earlier. Lexi, what don't you like about boondocking? We don't
2: always have good service.
1: Do you mean internet service?
2: Yeah, I can't watch TV shows. <laughs> apps don't work. All that frustrating stuff. <laughs>
1: So we always have signal. We always have service because mom normally has to work. So we always have service, but it's not always the best. And so, therefore, mom gets priority (laughs) and the kids get kicked off the hot spots. And that's what she's talking about. It's frustrating. Normally at campgrounds, we have a little bit better signal, if not Wi-Fi at the park, that the kids can use. Good one. That's frustrating for mom as well. (laughs) There are many different ways to boondock. One way is parking lot boondocking. Uh, And this normally happens for us, at least, on the way to a campground or on the way to a boondocking spot that is too far from our current location.
0: Sometimes if we're, like, beelining somewhere, we have a long drive day or something like that, and we're just going to stop for the night, get some rest, and then take off again.
1: Yeah, we're we're not getting out our grills, we're not getting out the rug, we're not getting anything out. We're just staying for the night, so it's easy to just pull off into a parking lot somewhere, stay there for the night, and then leave in the morning. Some of these places that we've stopped at include Walmart, Welcome Centers.
0: Some rest areas, good old Cracker Barrel. They're usually pretty RV friendly. Yep. We've stayed at Cabela's. I think some Bass Pros allow. We stayed at a casino. In Michigan,
1: That's a really good one. A lot of times casinos will let you stay there. Sometimes they'll even have hookups.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, we've, I've, we've passed by, and I've actually looked at some some of the casinos that had usually just electric hookup, nothing else. But it's still nice if you really need it. Like right now, if it's super blazing hot and you just had to stop for the night and there was a spot open with power, that'd be awesome.
1: Truck stops are another one. The only thing with the truck stops is you need – it's going to be a number one. It's going to be a lot louder and – annoying for you because there's people coming in and out all night. However, if you do have to stop at a truck stop, please take into account that those trucks have to stop like every so many hours or something. So if it's a full one and there's not very many spots left, I would recommend trying to push on to another spot.
0: Yeah, I think we've tried a couple and moved on just because they were so full.
1: Yeah, if a truck gets there and there's only like you know, no spots for that truck, they're out of luck. I don't even know what they do.
0: Yeah, those are pretty much my least favorite because usually they're really lit too, like lit up. So it's bright all night. It's loud all night. You got air brakes blasting and engines running.
1: I do feel very safe at those for some reason. Safer than, you know, some of the other like Walmarts and stuff like that, random places. I feel much safer at that probably because it is lit up. There are some pros and cons to parking lot camping. One of them being you're in a parking lot with a lot of people that come in and out. And it's normally urban areas.
0: One downside to parking lot boondocking is just there's usually urban areas. You don't, you know, you really don't know the area who's coming in and out while you're sleeping. and
1: You normally don't put out both slides. We put out, we have to put out one or maybe two slides. Yeah. (laughs) But we don't put out our living room slide or anything like that just to try to make it look like we're not trying to <laughs> take up camp in their in their parking lot. But we do put out our bed slide and then the kids the wardrobe slide. It's just easier to get through there with those open.
0: And usually like when we're staying at a Walmart or a Cracker Barrel or something like that, we usually try to patronize them too.
1: Mooch stocking is another Way of boondocking that is staying at a family members or a friends, pretty much a driveway of somebody that you know because you're using their stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, hey, I'll be in town. Let me plug in for a day or two.
1: Yes. And this is not like, don't picture... What is that show? The Christmas Vacation or something? (laughs) Don't picture that. Cousin Eddie. (laughs) With this, you still want to be very, very respectful. You don't want to take advantage of the person that you're staying at. We did this one time. We stayed at my sister's house for a few days. When we went back to Michigan, we were staying at a campground because we were there for a couple months. Mm Mm-hmm. The campground wasn't going to be ready for us for a few days. So we stayed at my sister's house, which was right down the road. And to be honest, it's so much fun because I get to be close to my sister and the kids get to be close to each other. We hooked up to their electricity, uh, but they don't obviously have a septic or anything like that. Now, if they got those things, we would stay much longer. I don't know if that's a selling point or not, but... (laughs) But either way, you know, sometimes you stay longer at somebody's house and they do allow you to hook up to your water. And then there's different tools you can get. What is that thing called for a septic?
0: Oh, like a macerator or macerator.
1: Yeah, that you can use um, if you're staying at somebody's house. But we didn't need that because we were only there for a few days. That option can be a good option, especially if you want to be visiting family because you're right there next to them. So that's, that's one to keep in mind for sure but you might have to find some you know, dumping spots nearby. One
0: of our favorite ways to boondock is on BLM, which is Bureau of Land Management. That's federal public land.
1: This is about 12% of the country is BLM land. So there's a lot out there. It's not all land that you can camp on. So you still have to like do your research and we'll give you some apps and websites that you can do that on. But there are tons of good spots across this country. I mean, we've been on BLM land that was near Zion.
0: Well, pretty much Utah. Yeah. Other than Canyonlands, we boondocked right outside of Arches, Um, Zion.
1: You just have to do your research and make sure that there's camping allowed. And then just be careful of what you pick. A lot of the BLM land is also um, shooting grounds.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's there's been a handful that we went to that were near.
1: And those can be a little bit sketchy just because you have people like, who knows? how they're shooting, make sure that you're not, like, (laughs) backed up to them. But other than that, those are fine as well, too. You You can find good spots in there as well. Some of our places that we've boondocked, we've boondocked in Utah, right outside of Arches on 191.
0: Just north of Moab.
1: And we'll have links to this in the show notes and put some pictures and stuff of all these cool places as well. Another cool spot, the Valley of the Gods, we actually did not get to stay there. We stayed there one night but had to leave because there is no service there.
0: Yeah, if you're going to go there, just make sure it's not during uh, work days because there was zero cell service or internet. But if you can go there and just literally just camp for a few days, that area is amazing. Yeah,
1: it's gorgeous. And we, just so you know, we have AT&T and Verizon, and neither one of them worked there.
0: We boondocked at a couple different places uh, around Yuma, one of them was the Barry Goldwater Range West, which is still like an active um, military test range. So the only downfall of that one is there's more noise because you have a lot of like flyovers from jets and helicopters, which I thought was cool. I didn't mind that at all.
1: Yeah, I thought that was really cool as well. There's also a lot of side by sides and stuff coming in and out of there because it's kind of a staging ground for that. Um, but that was I mean, that was fine for us as well.
0: You're kind of limited There's only four spaces
1: and you have to get a pass and we'll put notes to this inside of the show notes, but you do have to get a pass to stay there. But again, it's free. You just have to get a pass to stay there.
0: Yeah. It's a free permit that you have to apply. You get, just get it online, watch a little video because it's an active range. Um, Not that they do tests like near where you're boondocking. No, that was a cool spot. And we got to do a lot of Jeep trails, uh, right in that area. We actually drove 30 miles south of there to the border wall.
1: Yeah, that was very cool. We actually got to see the wall itself, like touch it. So you can get right up close to the border.
0: And then the second spot in Yuma was north of town. That was in like a quarry, old quarry. It's inactive now. But there was a lot of room there. We didn't really have any neighbors there.
1: There was a lot of people camping in there, but we were all spread out. Yeah. Another really cool BLM spot, probably one of the cooler spots, I think, was um, the wild horse in Montana, White Mountain or something. What was it called?
0: Yep. That's like uh, Green River, not Montana's, Wyoming.
1: Or Wyoming. Is that why you're looking at me strangely? Yeah. Like, ooh, we stayed in Montana. Yeah. <laughs> Wyoming, yes. We stayed with wild horses. Like I was working one day and the wild horses walked right by my window.
0: Yeah, and there's uh, quite a few out there. We went out looking for them and found them, like, at dusk one day. The only thing about that one, it was very windy. Every yeah. day, we, th- I think we were there for four or five days, maybe something like that. But it was very windy all the we time. We lost
1: two slide covers. Well, one. Two are ruined from... <laughs> one completely One flew fell off. off. Yeah. <laughs> it was cool, though, because you get to camp with wild horses. So, if you're a horse lover...
0: And the wind is not that bad, I would say, other than... We, I like to cook outside all the time on my Blackstone. I just can't. It was just too windy. So I didn't have anything outside.
1: We just told them that a slide cover was ripped off our RV and you are now saying the wind was not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Go there. The other couple spots we stayed at were BLM, were Zion area. And that was, what, 20 minutes outside of the city?
0: Yeah, we were 20 minutes from the gate. Of Zion. Oh, from the
1: gate. I thought it was from that, like, city. What is that Verkin. What is that little city before...
0: Springdale.
1: Springdale. So you're talking about going through Springdale and everything, 20 yeah. minutes. Oh, cool.
0: Yeah, it was 20 minutes to the gate of Zion.
1: There was a Jeep Trail there that yeah. went down to a river.
0: Yeah, the Virgin River cuts through, which from the road, the main road, you can't even tell that it's there, but there is a gigantic canyon behind. We have a drone picture of that you can actually see the canyon
1: Yes, and we did some jeep trails down there, and yeah. that was that was fun. And it was really neat to be 20 minutes from Zion and not pay for it. It was zero dollars, and it's way cooler than a campground because you have your space. I mean, we had this perfect little space. There was a um, campfire spot there, yeah.
0: and that's one thing to keep in mind with BLM land. Some BLM land, I think they're they're really starting to um, they're starting to create more um, designated sites. That I'm just kind of finding that more and more versus just wide open land. You just go park wherever. Now, I think just because of higher traffic and stuff, they're starting to come up with these more designated sites. That's what that spot was. I think there was five sites where we were. And then down the road, there was like another, I don't know, eight or ten. We checked that one first, but it was all full. Then we found the second one. I think we were there for 14 days.
1: Yeah, that was a really cool spot. And there was a dump by that spot. There was a dump, what? 10-15 minutes away. Not even. Yeah. Yeah in the other direction and they had sewer and water fill up for free.
0: Another Maverick gas station.
1: The final place was near Salt Lake.
0: It was like west of the Great Salt Lake.
1: That was a shooting range I think right?
0: That was on so this one is kind of like you have to look at the maps. I had to confirm it on two different maps that this was BLM because it's kind of mixed in with some state trust land of Utah which they have their own little separate rules. But on BLM, we already knew what we were getting into. So you just have to find the the exact spot. It was called Poverty Point Road. Um, it's easy to find. I'll mention it on some of the apps that I'm going to share. But. We only stayed at this place one night. Uh, We wanted to go to the Bonneville Salt Flats, so we did that. I think it was about 45 minutes away. Stayed one night, left the next day. Plus, we were just starting to get into some pretty good Utah heat as well.
1: Yeah, so we stayed there. We didn't want to drive the RV all the way to Bonneville Salt Flats because that's the only thing we were doing, and then we had to come all the way back. So we were like, let's just camp here for the night and take the Jeep To the salt flats which would be much easier um and then we didn't have to do everything and that was that was perfectly fine spot if it wasn't Mm -hmm. so hot i could have stayed there longer yeah sure but there wasn't really much around there to do
0: yeah there really wasn't a store or gas station within 10 miles i don't think
1: another really cool place to boondock is national forest these are all over the country which makes them convenient and the ones that we've stayed in all had trees which is a lot different than a lot of the blm land
0: Yeah, usually our BLM land is kind of desert terrain or like, you know, shrubbery, not trees.
1: So remember when you're doing any kind of boondocking, you need to make sure you look at the rules for that area. Different places will have different rules. So National forests have different rules all over the country. Um, But the places that we've stayed in, I think, are mostly 14 days stay.
0: Yeah, we found some really good spots in National Forest, even with, you know, cell service and Internet.
1: One of the first places we stayed in National Forest was in Arizona. We stayed um, Flagstaff area. What was it called?
0: Coconino National Forest.
1: And that was a really cool place. First of all, it was like our first pine trees that we saw in like three months. (laughs) So I was really excited for pine trees. And it was very forest. And there was nobody around us. There was some people camping out there, but not near us. So it was a really cool spot.
0: Yeah, we've stayed there two different times. One without solar and one with solar.
1: Another place we camped was near Camp Verde. We're Thousand Trails members. We have to be out of the park for seven days. So we actually took advantage of some national forest that's nearby there to be out of the park before coming back into the park. And that was also that same forest, right?
0: Yeah, it's a different section of it, but same thing. There's not quite as many spots there. We did. We found a pretty good spot, and it's still not far from... You know, all of your amenities, your stores and all that. It's really close to Montezuma Well National Monument, which we didn't get a chance to go to. But I heard it's cool.
1: And we will talk about safety later on. But we did have a little bit of an incident there that could have turned out bad. It was was fine because... The people just needed help, but there was two random people that just like came up to our RV. Luckily, they just wanted water, which (laughs) was insane. Like Tony offered to to drive them and they didn't want to drive anywhere. They just wanted water, but they drank that water like they were out there for days. So I felt so bad, (laughs) but that's just one of those examples. You're out in the middle of nowhere and anybody could just come up to you. So we'll talk about that later in the podcast, safety reasons, but I just wanted to bring that up. Another National Forest spot we had was in Bryce Canyon. That was Dixie National Forest, right?
0: Yeah, it just outside of Bryce Canyon National Park.
1: And that was a really cool spot. There was tons of trails around there, off-roading trails. And there's a lot of places to camp in that area. So you have a pretty good chance of finding a spot. We had a perfect spot, and that's where the girls found their fort, which was nice.
0: Although I will say, if we ever go back to that spot, um, a tip for that area Is find a spot as far off the road as you can, because it's been very dry there. It was just very dusty.
1: And and our spot was a really cool spot. It was a nice big spot that, like I said, had that fort that the kids could play in and everything. But it was like right off the road. So we had a lot of traffic going by us, um, which blew dirt at us. It was
0: Memorial weekend. So there was extra traffic, I think.
1: That is something to note here that a lot of the places we're talking about, we're not really focusing on traffic as a problem. We'll try to mention if we remember it, but traffic doesn't bother us that much. But if you like to be more secluded, then some of these spots might not be the best, especially the urban stuff, the parking lots. (laughs) Um, However, that one spot, the Dixie National Forest, there's a lot of places in there that you can find that are kind of more secluded and away away from the road. The last national forest that we've stayed at so far, we have some planned in our future, but the next place was uh, the Grand Canyon. And we were what? How far away? 10 minutes?
0: Yeah. 10 minutes from the Grand Canyon.
1: Free. Did I mention that this is free? <laughs> so we stayed 10 minutes from the Grand Canyon and it was free. And then that's the west, or wait, what side was that? South.
0: South, South side. South side.
1: But then we could take a trail, and it was a much longer Jeep trail. I mean, it was probably, what, 30 minutes that Mm. way. But it was a fun Jeep trail. I mean, we got to see a skeleton.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, Not human. Not human skeleton. Uh, But that was going to what side? The, The east. The east side. East
0: entrance. East
1: entrance of the park. So we actually got to see both parks. I mean, you can drive through, but what I mean is you can, from where we were camping, you could get to both spots. It was really cool. We also met some friends there. We were right, like, in an open area, too. So we had a fifth wheel, a big fifth wheel come in, and then another trailer come in after that.
0: Yeah, there was a couple different families that came in while we were there, and they had kids, which was awesome, because our kids got to play with a couple rounds of different families. Another option is stateland. Uh, we've stayed at several different places on stateland, like... Uh,
1: Across the country.
0: Yeah, from Florida to... Idaho idaho florida was at the uh, black river state forest i think there's a boat launch a public boat launch and then off to the side there's like a a big open area
1: we had no service there either though so i did have to yeah play. yeah I, d- I had to drive down the road for that one we were only staying there one night but it was a really cool spot there was a couple trails right there like hiking trails
0: they're right on the blackwater river
1: Mm-hmm. That would have been a really, especially if you're going to be tubing or kayaking or something, that'd be a really I don't
0: cool know about that. I think those gators up in them waters.
1: I mean, it's a boat launch, honey.
0: Tubing with gators?
1: I mean, they do it. Those Florida people. Florida man. Florida
0: man, crazy.
1: <laughs> Jinx Simon. <Island.
0: laughs>
1: Another place we camped in state land was uh, near Route 66.
0: Yep, in Ari- northern Arizona on our way to Vegas. It was like a one-nighter.
1: Lava Hot Springs.
0: Yep, that was in Idaho. I think that was our first, when we first got to Idaho, we stayed there for five nights. That's a cool.
1: That's a really nice spot.
0: Yep. It's new and improved. It used to be just like a big plot of land along the Portneuf River by Lava Hot Springs. Um, But I'm assuming this year they've changed it up and they made actually designated sites. So they're all gravel. They're all. Fence. It's fenced. Yeah, that's really cool. You still have access to the river. You just can't park right on the river. They, I'm assuming they had problems with that. So
1: We have some really cool drone footage of that, too. It's really pretty, the, the river right there. One downfall of that spot is the train goes through, and there's a road right there that pulls into that campground, and apparently they have to honk at the road. So they honk. Some do it really nice, or it's like a yeah. quick honk.
0: There's definitely a difference but- in tra- train... <laughs> Conductors Engineers, uh, <laughs> yeah. Some of them are horn happy,
1: <laughs> some of them ride that horn right on through. Yep. Uh, and it's not just an occasional train, like, there's multiple trains a day. Yeah. <laughs> so, if that bothers you, just know that that is there. But that didn't bother us at all.
0: And we had good service there, and it was like kind of nestled in between mountains. It was awesome.
1: And it was right near Lava Hot Springs, yep. so you could go into the springs and stuff too. And there's,
0: yeah, there's a lot of stuff to do right in town there
1: funny story about that i did tell tony trains don't bother me in the very first (laughs) night very first night we stayed there we were sleeping and the train went by and honked and i jumped out of the bed and yanked on him what is that and then i realized what it was obviously but at first i did not know what it was i thought there was a truck running into us or something
0: (laughs) yeah and you're good you're a couple hundred yards from the train tracks but it's still loud
1: yeah yeah but it's a really cool spot. It's still worth it. And I would highly recommend that place if you can get past the train zones.
0: Yeah, I'd go back.
1: Another place that we've stayed at in Idaho so far is Snake River Canyon Park. And I say that because we're still in Idaho. (laughs) So we're probably still going to do some boondocking here. But as of right now, Snake River Canyon Park is another spot.
0: Yep, there's dispersed camping allowed. It is just a large gravel parking lot. Um, It's kind of a staging area for an off-road area, but it's right by Twin Falls, right by the big bridge there, which is awesome.
1: Another way to boondock is through memberships, and we have two of them. We have Harvest Hosts and Boondockers Welcome. With Harvest Hosts, there's wineries, farms,
0: breweries,
1: yeah, different things across the museum, stuff like that across the country that you can stay at for free for a night Normally they don't have hookups or anything like that. Some might may have hookups, but most of them do not. Uh, But when you stay there, you're supposed to, you know, patronize them. I really like Harvest House. So far, we've stayed at a couple different places: the ranch in Utah,
0: Hiawatha Hideout.
1: We stayed there, which we really like. That's on our Utah podcast, if you're interested in hearing about that. And then the other one that we just stayed at recently in Idaho was the Potato Museum. We really enjoyed that as well. So both of those places, we didn't mind spending money at. We did horseback riding at the ranch, and we went into the museum and, of course, bought potatoes.
0: <laughs> yeah, so if you're a wine drinker or something, it, it's cool to, you know, if you're traveling the country, you can try different wines all yeah. over the all
1: over the place. Yep, fit it right in. And farms and stuff normally, you know, they sell jams and different things that I'm excited to get our hands on as well. The other one is Boondocker's Welcome, and we actually just bought this one. We haven't used it yet. However, this one allows you to stay more than one day at location, so I'm really excited to, you know, start fitting this into our schedule.
0: Yeah, Harvest Host typically it's like a one-night stay.
1: Yes, and Harvest Host just bought Boondocker's Welcome, apparently. I just found that out. Yep. So um they're now together. So Boondocker's Welcome is more of multiple multiple stays, multiple nights. Finally, the other way to do boondocking is through county, city, state, national parks and just do their dry camping option. So a lot of these parks will have an area or maybe it's the entire park, depending on the park, um, where they offer dry camping. And this is perfect for tent camping, <laughs> if you're tent camping, because it's like between 6 and $10 around that range, normally not more than that. There's no hookups, but you are like more than likely you're able to stay there with an RV unless it's a small spot. Um, so you can also do this camping and pay a lot less. Those are the different ways that I know of boondocking and the places that we've stayed at.
0: Just some of our experiences.
1: Mm-hmm. Now we're going to talk about some tips with boondocking. The first one is scouting.
0: Yeah, there's been a handful of times where it, you know, we're obviously not familiar with the area. So we'll park the RV and we'll take the Jeep out and we'll go look for spots. Uh, we've actually found several spots like that.
1: Some tools for dumping those tanks and fresh, <laughs> fresh water. Um, the first one was what we talked about when you're mooch stocking
0: a macerator pump.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, that, that helps, helps you be able to use a toilet to put your stuff. Yeah. Instead the of, toilet. In, in, yeah.
0: <laughs> instead of using your, um, sewer hose, you use a small, much smaller hose, like a garden type hose,
1: not your drinking water. Hose. Yeah.
0: Do not do that.
1: Another way is to have one of those wagon things. And this is, we we haven't got one of these yet. Um, we've kind of tossed it around because we would love to stay at some boondocking spots longer.
0: I did borrow one one time. Instead of closing up the RV and then going to dump, my n- neighbor who I made friends with had one. He let me borrow it. It was pretty convenient. Um, you know, I put it in the back of the jeep and loaded it and all that stuff. But
1: would you get one?
0: I don't know. I think it's more of a the storage thing for me.
1: Yeah. Like when we're not using it, we're to keep it. For water though, we have found a solution that if we start running into water problems again, again, Tony said earlier that we keep water longer than we need. Like we haven't run out of water yet, but an option is getting a water bag.
0: Yeah. It's like a freshwater bladder almost. And they make them in a lot different sizes. If you look on Amazon, I've seen them anywhere from like six gallons to like 60 gallons
1: and they fold flat
0: yeah when you're not using them they're yeah you just roll it up
1: and then you would need a pump as well so you need that and then the pump
0: some people use a um a drill pump it's something you hook up to like your cordless or corded drill and you can transfer the water that way other ways are like little um, battery operated you can plug it into your rv batteries or your your truck battery or whatever to pump the water so
1: if you don't have those tools, we use a couple good apps and websites to find dumping locations near us. One of them is iOverlander.
0: Yeah, that's probably my favorite app for finding that stuff. You can filter it. You can filter um, for water and dump stations and even propane. So that's helpful.
1: And what we normally do is we find, you know, we find some spots that we want to stay at, but then we look for that um, those. Like especially if we're gonna stay there for 14 days or long you know, if we're gonna stay there for the full amount of time, we need to make sure there's a dump nearby. So we'll find a boondocking spot and then we'll look around for dumping locations before we even go to that spot just to make sure there's something nearby. Yeah, just
0: to make sure it makes sense to stay in that spot. You don't wanna to have to drive an hour to go dump. You know, we've never had to do that. We've never ran into that problem. Another tip is to have plan A, B, and possibly plan C.
1: And we've gotten to plan C before. We have. <laughs> Another another spot to look for dumping is, it, was it, what is it, rvdumpsites.com or something?
0: rvdumpsites.com. There is an app for it, but then it just takes you right to their website. It's kind of like a part of freecampsites.net, one of their filters. One of the best things we did to improve our boondocking experience was the solar and the battery bank. We have six lithium battleborns, and we have 1,200 watts of solar. and The way that it's set up with our inverter, we can power everything in the house. So there's been times, a couple times, we've left the dogs in the RV unhooked, and um, we had the air on for them for a couple hours. Yeah, and if that's something that you're looking to do, um, we also added something to our air conditioners, a soft start that enables us to run the air conditioner, one air conditioner off of the batteries.
1: Let's talk about apps and websites that we use. We've already talked about a few of them. One of those were I iOverlander. Is it I? Like the letter I?
0: Yep, Ioverlander. That's the one I use the most. Um, It's like a crowdsourced app. So people tag spots where the filters are, like the water, the dump stations, and the propane and that kind of thing. And they they don't just have like free campsites. They have like established campgrounds as one of the filters. So you can find pretty much anything on there. And there's reviews. Uh, A lot of people will mention the connectivity and stuff like that, which I go off of a lot of the times. Another one we use that I use, it's a good map app. It's called Onyx. We have the Onyx off-road version, which shows the trails.
1: And we have the premium of that. Yeah.
0: What I like about that is it actually has different layers for, like, BLM, state land, all that stuff. So it not only shows the trails when we are going to go off-road, but it shows what kind of land it is.
1: The free app, though, is good. Yeah. It's just they had a sale running on the premium, so we did the premium.
0: Uh, we use uh, free campsites.net. That's more, it's just like a website. They have an app, but it takes you directly to the website. Um, link to that is the RV dump, dump sites.net. Um, but th- those are all very helpful. Um, I use there's blm.gov. There's also another app called, um, U S public lands. I think I'm looking right now. Yeah. U S public lands. It's all, um, there's different standard map, satellite map, terrain, There's different layers you can put on. So sometimes I'll go into one of my other apps, find out if it's BLM or not, and then go to this app just to confirm that. So I've done that a couple of times recently. There's also Campendium, which I don't use. Um, I've looked at it a couple of times, but um, I just mainly rely on, I fall back on these other uh, apps and websites.
1: Other people do use that app, though, so that is one to check out as well. And also Harvest Hosts and Boondockers Welcome both have apps that you can find their specific campsites.
0: There's also a couple more apps that I have, but I don't use very much. One of them is called Free Roam. The other is called The Dirt. I think The Dirt's starting to gain popularity. Like I said, I just don't use it very much because I always fall back to my other ones.
1: And then, of course, once you get – I mean, if you get a spot that you want – you know, just Google the spot and see if there's any reviews or anything before you get there, especially if you're driving a long ways. Um, And then when you get there, always look for the signs to, you know, read all the rules for that area and make sure that it's still a spot because all these sites are crowdsourced and reviewed based, you know, things could change at any moment. For example, the place by Zion, I don't think anywhere in our reviews, it said it was only five spots, Right. And then when we got there, there was actually like 30 people there. There were so many. I mean, we almost didn't even find a spot there. We kind of just wedged ourselves in. And then the next day, a DNR officer, oh, BLM officer came by and said, This is actually only five spots. So, like, all these people have to leave. Luckily, somebody left out of a campsite, an actual spot. And then we ended up getting that spot. So, that was really cool. But just make sure, and actually, there, I mean, in our defense, there were no signs. Yeah, the
0: signage was removed at that point.
1: And he said that. He's like, I'm not going to get, I mean, now that I'm telling you, you should move. If if somebody comes back, they could probably, you know, ticket you or whatever. Um, but there is no signage. So you guys aren't in any trouble or anything.
0: One thing to keep in mind when you're boondocking on these public lands, um, it's not like a private campground. You don't have security guards with, you know, gated entrances security cameras and stuff like that so you're responsible for the safety of yourself and your party and your animals
1: yeah keep an eye out for and also like i mean you can run into snakes and stuff like that at which we have at campgrounds and at state campgrounds and stuff like that but in blm like this is you're in their land pretty much like i mean it's all their land but you know what i mean like it's I don't know more. You're
0: more likely to encounter stuff like exactly. that. Exactly.
1: That's what I was getting at. And so, you know, we've had a snake crawl right up into our, uh, rug pretty much outside. Um, so you just have to be a little bit more observant of your surroundings and then security, you know, with people, I, I mentioned those two guys. I mean, they just walked right up to our, I mean, we're in the middle of nowhere and they walked right up to the door and, Asked for water. Thankfully they just wanted water. Um, and thankfully Tony was there and it was daylight, but you know, that could have been a totally different situation if Tony went to get groceries or (laughs) it was dark time or they just didn't want water. (laughs) So just keep those things in mind that you need to make sure that you're protecting yourself and your family. So we actually have an alarm on our RV that will notify us if somebody comes in the door Uh, And we also have security cameras on all sides of our RV. So we can see inside all sides of the RV and it records, you know, when we're not around. Yeah,
0: it records to a DVR so we can look back.
1: Those are both very helpful things. The alarm is kind of a peace of mind, especially, you know, if you're out in the middle of nowhere, (laughs) you're obviously not calling 911 with it. But it'll at least go off if somebody is tampering with your stuff and you can, you know, get prepared.
0: We do legally travel with firearms. We always check the states ahead of time before we go to see what's allowed and what's not, what our reciprocity is from our home state as far as our license to carry. So that's one option. One thing I will say is that there's a lot of talk about using wasp spray. As far as that goes, I will give you a little advice. Wasp spray is probably the worst option that you could go with.
1: There is no advice. Just don't do it. <laughs> what about bear spray?
0: When you start getting into pepper sprays, bear sprays, that kind of thing, they're effective, but when you get into closed quarters like an RV, you're looking at self-contamination at that point. If you are in a RV bedroom and you spray somebody, you're getting sprayed too. There's just no getting around it. So, that's not something that I recommend inside of an RV. And wasp spray, pretty sure that's a felony if you use that for anything other than killing wasps.
2: Let's discuss what we're digging because it's hot and I want to turn the air on.
1: Sounds good. This is getting long, anyways.
2: <laughs> I'm digging my new clothes.
1: What new clothes did you get? Some new summer clothes?
2: Yes. A skirt. A dress. I shorts guess, <laughs> some shorts and
0: new shoes
2: yeah, yeah. new
1: shoes cuz you're growing like
0: a weed you need to stop growing
1: yeah we had to do some summer shopping for the bottom halves we didn't need shirts but we needed shorts and pants and we got a couple cute dresses
2: i'm digging our new barbie clothes and we got some new shoes too and um we got some barbie guns
0: <laughs> yes you did they're awesome
1: And some camo clothes and stuff. Yeah.
2: Some like hunting stuff and stuff like that.
1: Yes, that is very cool and very fun. And you have been playing with those a lot lately. We keep their Barbies out in a Tupperware outside. We keep different things outside. So we have the Legos. They'll get on a Lego kick and we'll bring in the Legos for a while. And right now they're doing the Barbies. My big thing that I'm digging is the Oregon Trail. I'm obsessed with it, kind of, actually. (laughs) We've seen different pieces of it as we've drove through Idaho. And now that we're getting closer to Boise, we've seen a lot of it. And we've even done the Oregon Trail Byway. Yep. And then we also went to a museum. And it's both very cool stuff. I will link both of them. It's a really cool history. It's neat. Just the museum was really cool, right, girls?
2: Yeah, it was really, 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 really fun.
1: What <laughs> did you like there the best?
2: The buttons.
1: The buttons? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the... Oh, the buttons on the machines. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't see any buttons. Did you? So there is um so it was a very interactive museum and the kids got to, you know, pull out the drawers and they had different things on the drawers, but then some of the machines had like buttons and when you pushed them it would like talk about different different stuff. What about the wheel? There was a wheel or a, a wheel that you could spin the wheel around and then it would like tell you your luck on getting across the river. Do you remember that? So we all did that and like Kylie got across. She was hurt. She was scared because the person before her lost an oxen or something. And then Tony, uh, I think you ended up floating down the river, right?
0: Yeah, I lost a wagon.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm sure you didn't do good in the game either.
0: No, I always tried to ford the river.
1: (laughs) Oh, and you, that's funny. (laughs) But yeah, that was really cool. They had a wagon in there. And I actually learned that the wagon was, seeing the wagon in real life to me was, different. I thought it was much smaller, actually. And I know that, you know, all the, it's funny when you read the signs and the history and all that stuff, they talk about, you know, they had to put all their belongings in this little wagon. And they did, they had to do like 80% food. And then, you know, they only had a little bit of room for like stuff that they care about. Pots it, and
2: pans.
1: Yeah. It was still kind of interesting hearing it because, you know, we had to do that too in our RV. Of course, our RV is 36 foot long, way bigger than a wagon. But, uh it still was just just hearing them talk i was like yeah i know how that feels <laughs> not going across 2000 miles walking next to the rv though that would be that would be awful with no stores awful Way i just complained awful. about not having a target <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's been that's been my thing that i've been digging we'll talk more about that on the idaho podcast but it has been really cool seeing the history and I still can't imagine that going across a river, though. That would be crazy.
2: Very crazy. Like, I think I would pass out going across it.
1: (laughs) With anxiety. Yes. Dad, what are you digging?
0: This week, I'm digging the Mike Rowe podcast. We've been listening to a lot of Mike Rowe lately. I have to say, he's uh, an amazing storyteller. Pretty much like everything he writes um, and reads. I love all his shows. He's kind of like my man crush. I think I'm going down that road. Like, if I could have a beer with anybody right now, that's the first person who comes to mind, Mike Mm -hmm. Rowe.
1: What I really like about that podcast, which the name of it is The Way I Heard It, what I really like about it is that he starts off telling a story and you don't know who it's about. And it's a really interesting story. You're getting into it, and then he tells you what it's about at the very end, and it's always something you know about. So it's very... It's a very interesting twist. Yeah, Yeah, most of the time. I mean, there's some rarely there's something that he talks about that I'm like, I don't know who that person is or you don't know who it is. I mean, normally, you know, all of them, but that I think is really cool. And then he leads into another story and then he has like an interview part of the the podcast. And what's so insane is (laughs) at the very end of the podcast, it's all connected, like the podcast, the interview, like quotes he picked up from the story in the beginning, he uses them in the. I mean, I just, it takes a very special person to be able to connect all of that and have like the perfect person to interview. I mean, it's just a really good podcast. It's a, it's a
0: podcast. Sounds like we both have a crush on Micro.
1: Yes. <laughs> I probably do have a crush on Micro as well. Uh, but yeah, he's, it's that, that, that is a really good podcast. Now, before we die of. Heat stroke. <laughs> we have to wrap this up.
0: <laughs> Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and our website, com.
1: And please, please follow our podcast at any of your podcasting apps. If you're an iTunes person, give us a review.
0: Make sure it's five stars. And that'll do it. We'll talk to you next week.
1: Bye.
0: See you later. Okay reset
1: Those are all the same thing. Just means the same thing. They all mean
0: What do they mean? <sighs> do they not? No. That showed that little burp. That-
1: <laughs> 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 oh my god. What if Tara did that? That'd be so embarrassing.
2: Elsa's looking at me she's going like this <laughs>
1: Stop Elsa. Mama loves free. <laughs> no, I'm just out here by myself. Out in the middle of the pond. This
0: is mama land.
1: <laughs> I'm not whispering.
2: I'm not whispering. I'm talking, talking at full voice volume. That is. it.
0: Public land. It's our land. Oh. This land is my land and this land is your land. <laughs>
1: Hey. <laughs> sometimes we're on the same wavelength, and sometimes we're oceans apart.
0: <laughs> we could do this the easy way, or we could do this the hard way. <laughs> if you get past the alarm and the dogs.